Welcome to the Teaching a Rockstar podcast. And on today's episode, we have Todd Desloney. And, uh, man, I've been a fan of this guy for a long time. And he was a principal. I think, I, man, I, I might have this all wrong, but he's going to correct me when he gets on the conversation. I want to say he was in Waller at one point. And then um, he was a principal up in Navasota. And that's when I, I started became a, you know, like a fan and following his work. And then um, he has books out. And that kids deserve a book, but I don't even know, but that's got to be one of the all-time bestsellers for uh, teachers and educators. He uh, He's now the Director of Culture and Strategic Leadership for the Texas Elementary Principals and Supervisors Association. And by the way, if you've never been to the TEPSA conference, I don't care what state you live in. Man, that is like one of the premier conferences in the nation. You got to come down for that thing. Um, and Todd has his own podcast, Tell Your Story. I love what he has going on. I can't wait to talk to him. Here we go. Teaching a Rockstar Podcast. Todd Nesloni. Let's do this. This is the Teach Like a Rockstar Podcast with Hal Bowman. All right, before we get this party started, here is a quick word from our friends, the Boston Scally Company. I have found the absolute best caps on the internet at bostonscally.com. The Boston Scally Company is the online purveyor of caps with the most attitude. Some people refer to them as a flat cap or a Gatsby or an Ivy cap, but the cap everyone is really looking for is the traditional Boston Scally cap. Founded by the son of a lifelong educator, the Boston Scally Company designs and sells caps that capture the unique culture of the Boston people with an authentic style that is filled with blue-collar sarcasm, rugged integrity, and a truckload of attitude. Pick up the authentic Boston Scally cap at bostonscally.com. The Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowen. All right, man. So when I first reached out to you, you reminded me that we met years ago, like when I first started doing this Teach Like a Rockstar thing. When, like when and where was that? You had super long hair. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, it was in Houston. Uh-huh. Was it, was it like at a hotel type conference thing? Uh-huh. Yep. And, um, and you were there with your mom, you said. Yeah. My mom was an educator as well for 13 years. And so I don't remember which one of us had heard about you. Um, but we had seen it and she was like, well, this sounds interesting. And I said, yeah, let's go. And so we went and it was amazing. I still remember it, which is crazy. So when you reached out, I was like, oh my gosh, I've been to one of his things a long time ago. Yeah. That's the, here's the thing is, um, you know, um, like looking back and where this whole thing has led since then, I mean, it's, it is, it, you know, there's been a metamorphosis of the, of the presentation and the information, but still, man, it's, it's just like your stuff. It still comes down to, um, how can I communicate this concept of loving kids relentlessly in the most passionate and emotional way so I can sink it into some teacher's soul? Exactly. You, you just hit the nail on the head. And, um, and I, here's, here's the thing I was going to tell you, man. I can't tell you how many times. Um, I'm in a conversation with a teacher or a principal or a superintendent somewhere and they start talking about you. And for some reason they, they think we, we like hang out and we're besties or something. And I'm like, dude, like I want to meet that guy. Like I want to hang out with that guy. They're like, aren't y'all friends? I said, I've never really sat and talked to them. Never. No. That's hilarious. And you know, and yeah, and we're right up the road from each other too. So we're not even like far apart. It's so ridiculous. I know. Hey, was it, was it, am I right? Did now, did you start in Waller? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I taught right. for seven years there. And um, I just did their convocation and you talk about flying under the radar. You talk about a district that like people think is some little country, but they have so much amazing stuff going on out there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I love that place. And um, all right, so now, man, bring me back to this thing. Like um, everybody, uh, you know, here's here's what I love about your work is the whole tell your story thing, because everybody has a story about a teacher. And what I love is, um, you know, when I'm on the road, I'm kind of known. I haven't done it much this year, but for a couple of years ago, I was I was just a wild man. I would sneak up uh, behind people, like in public, anybody randomly, and I have my little video, my phone going. I would say, "Hey, man, tell me about your teacher. What teacher comes to mind first? Uh-huh. It's a hundred percent. Everybody, every age, every walk of life, every demographic, everything, everyone, a hundred percent. Everybody has a story about a teacher. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And then, um, and so for you, like, was there a teacher that you think back in your life that this is the person where really kind of started me on this trajectory of becoming an educator? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I can think about a lot of teachers from my childhood but none of them made an impact that made me want to be a teacher in the traditional sense. Um, You know, I think about, I had a lot of very traditional teachers. I had teachers who did some exciting things, but never fully invested in me as a person. I did never feel like. And so when I started thinking about careers and knowing that I wanted to work with kids in some capacity, you know, at first I thought, Oh, I'm going to go into social work. I love, I've got this whole empathy thing, but then I realized I can't disconnect from that stuff. And so it was too heavy for me to go into social work. So then I realized, you know what? I had some great teachers, but none of them that left that impact that made me go, wow, this is my favorite teacher I've ever had. And I wanted to be that person for other kids. And so that's really why I chose education was I wanted to be able to leave that impact where when kids look back and go, well, I didn't have any terrible teachers. Like all my teachers were great, but there was this one that was amazing. And I wanted to be that one person for them. Man, deep down inside, I'm convinced, man, I'm convinced that if, if, if an educator is still in the game, still in the trenches, still in the class, classroom there's somewhere inside of them there it might be in one cell but that thought man that desire is still in there and i mean i know this career is hard and i know like it's just emotionally draining and exhausting but still if they're still in the classroom they deep down inside they want to be the person they they want to be that adult of influence a kid talks about for the rest of their life yeah, you're so right. And, you know, just thinking about, you know, just like you said, the field of education is just becoming more and more difficult, it seems, uh, with all these things being added on a teacher's plates and their feelings of overwhelmed. And, and, but when I talk to teachers, you're exactly right. That's what keeps them in there is just knowing that they're making a difference in those kids' lives. Yeah. And when, you know, m- you know, my work now is, um, when I'm at schools or talking to principals or school leaders and they really want to know, like, how, you know, what can I do for my teachers? And I think where we're really falling short is I don't think we do a good enough job with providing teachers with the evidence that they need to see that it's working. Like we're really good at providing teachers with the, with, with the data and the evidence that we're getting the knowledge and we're, we're doing a good job stuffing knowledge into the noggin and we can reflect that in data. But I think what they like, but that's not what they signed up for. They signed up to make right. a difference in the life of a kid. And how can we do a better job of providing them with proof that a kid's life is changing right now because of you? You know, I think you're exactly right. You know, that's a lot of what I speak about um, and, and building that culture up in schools because schools have gotten to a point where they're great at looking at data and talking about data and, and helping teachers see the data piece. But so often we forget that that heart piece is equally as important. You know, I've always said, I believe education is 50% heart and 50% head. And when we focus only on the instructional stuff or only on the heart stuff, then we're not really doing our jobs as educators. It's a 50-50 split. And so in looking at you know, what we can do better as, as principals, I think you're exactly right. Helping teachers see that every day they're making an impact and finding little ways to let them know that you see 
what they're doing and that you recognize it even on those insignificant moments because for that teacher, what you may think is an insignificant moment is the one thing they need to hear because they just felt like they were doing it all wrong. Yeah. Man, I tell you, here's the, this is it, man. This is it. This is what I love is, um, Helping uh, teachers recognize the magic, like because I think that we get so we get numb to it, like it's crazy. Like I like I'll see things all the time in a school where a teacher will say something to a kid and have the hand on the shoulder and they're on their knee in the hallway connecting with a kid, and and then the teacher will just go on with their life. I'm like, wait a minute, Len, let's let's talk about what just happened here. Yeah, yeah. You just you just changed the kid's life. You're like, yeah, okay, whatever. No, not whatever. (laughs) Let's take a moment and celebrate that. I think because it happens every day, all day long, like we get numb to this magical moments that that are being created every day. Yeah, I think you're you're right. It's it's and that's what I feel like so many teachers miss when they don't know if they're making an impact. I'm like, oh my gosh, there were like twenty things you did today alone that, like I said, to you may seem insignificant, but to that kid, like that was the biggest thing that's happened in their world so far. Yeah. You know what? There's um, there's a couple of posts I share with schools on um, just like using social media as a proof where, you know, there is there's the kid who who like aced the SAT and there's this picture and, you know, oh, my God, look at Johnny. He got a perfect score in the SAT. He's a bad, and there's like four likes and like one share by by that kid's mom. But then there's another, there's a third grader that has, you know, finger paint smeared across his face and his teachers, they're cheek to cheek and she's got paint on her shirt. And I think it's like a gazillion shares because that's the moment, man. Like that's where you can see the love in the eyes of the kids. And like that's that for me, those are the moments I wish we did a better job of helping teachers recognize and sharing that with the world. I think you're exactly right. And and the more we can talk about it, the more that it gets out there and people understand the difference they're making. And that's why you can't ever waste a moment not telling someone how much they how much difference they're making. Yeah. Hey, when 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 you were at Waller, what was the first thing that you taught? I taught fourth grade uh, math for two years, and then they moved fifth grade down to the elementary, so they moved me up to fifth grade, and I was fifth grade math for the next five. And you, like, when you got into the classroom, did you know, okay, this is it, I love it? Or were you thinking, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I think it was a mix. You know, I always knew that I wanted to be working with kids, so I loved it from the start. I mean, I think we all have days where we're like, what the heck was I thinking? Like, is this the right place for me? Um, But overall, no, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And then when you were, um, how would you, from those, those first few moments teaching in the, in, in the very beginning, um, through your first few years, did you have someone that was mentoring you or someone that was taking care of you? You know, I had a mentor teacher my first couple of years. Um, she was my mentor probably in name only, not necessarily in, um, actually mentoring me. Yeah. Um, but I think, real difference for me came my fifth year of teaching because that's when I got connected on social media. And after getting connected on social media and being able to find other people who were wanting to be as innovative and as creative as I was trying to be, it made me feel like I wasn't so... alone, I guess would be the word. Because sometimes when you try to be different on a campus, you know, I had people that worked that I worked with at Fieldstore Elementary that were great innovators alongside of me. But sometimes when you're just always trying to be new and creative, it can feel like you're the only one trying to do stuff and it can begin to get really lonely really quickly. And that's where social media opened me up to a whole new world of being able to connect with people from all over the world who were trying to change the game in education. 
Man, that's so true. Like when, when you're on campus, you really feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the wacko. Like I'm the one they're talking about. But then when, when you get on social media, you realize, oh my gosh, there's millions of wackos just like me. Yeah, they're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just not all confined to the same space, man. But, and when, and when, and things got crazy for you on social media pretty quick, like you were all in and you're participating and interacting and, and leading and you were, you were doing the whole thing. Well, you know, I, I wasn't at first. I spent about six months on social media without ever tweeting one thing because I was like seeing – I was learning so much and, and drinking from a fire hose and seeing all the brilliance that people were sharing. But I was very much feeling an imposter syndrome and very much of a comparison of, you know, I don't want to share my stuff because when I see all these other people's, there's just so much better than mine. Like yeah. mine's not worth putting out there. Um, and then a woman named Angela Myers told me once, she said, you know, when you don't share your genius with the world, you're doing a disservice to the field of education. And that really stuck with me. And so I thought, you know what? I'm not on social media for other people. I'm on social media for me and to grow and learn and connect. So I'm just going to put it out there. And if nobody cares and nobody sees it, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to put it out there because my kids deserve to be seen for all the awesome things they're doing in class. And and so, yeah, when I started putting it out there, then it just took off like wildfire. People started noticing different things we were doing. And I mean, I was like in the middle of Texas in this in this country little area. And I'm like, oh my gosh, people from all over the world are now seeing the different things that we're doing. And not because it's better than anybody else, but because I'm actually putting it out there and I'm actually letting people see. And I'm sh- and, and I was very um, adamant from the start that when I started putting things on social media, I would be very vulnerable and honest that it wasn't going to be just a highlight reel, that there would be sharing my struggles and failures along the way too. And I think that's what has really helped me use total, social media to its fullest is, is not just focusing on, look at all these great lessons I'm always doing. But hey, this totally bombed today. I, I lost my cool today. I had to go apologize to a parent about this. Like, like I was, I wanted to share the whole picture of an educator so that nobody felt that whole comparison thing like I did, hopefully. Warts and all. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, that here's, here's what I realized for me is the more stuff I give away and the more stuff I share and, and the more just good content or good ideas that I have that I can get out there, the more I can create. It's like somehow it creates this space in my brain for more creativity. And, and what I've learned now, like when I'm stuck or in a slump or feeling like I don't have anything new happening, that what that means is I need to go give away a bunch of stuff and help some other people. And the more I help people, more stuff I give away. Then all of a sudden, like I have this crazy firestorm of ideas and creativity. It's crazy how it works. Well, you know, it's so funny because I talk so often about the research behind gratitude and that the research shows like when you show gratitude to other people, it actually increases your mood more than the person you're showing gratitude to. And so I think you're exactly right. I know that when I get in my darkest moments or when I get and I'm, I'm in a funk and I can't figure out a way out, it's like that's the time where I need to stop everything I'm doing and go pour into others and just let other people know. Um, and so it's so funny, you know, I've never shared this on a podcast before or anything, but when you see me like giving away books or something like that, it's like, okay, I'm in one of my moods. I just need to go give people free stuff or go and just tell people how much, how great they're doing because I know that'll work in my favor in the end because I'll feel better making sure other people feel better. It's like one of the most beautifully selfish things you can do. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? Like I'm, imp- I'm trying to improve the other lives of, of people, of other people. And one of the benefits is I'm going to exponentially improve my life along the way as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're so right. Man, one of the, the funniest, um, my social media 
um, experience for w- before social media was even a thing, but I had the same experience that you had on social media is, um, I, I wasn't, I was asked to, uh, speak at a pals conference. I was a pals sponsor. Mm-hmm. And I went to the state pals conference and they asked me to do a best practices thing for pal sponsors. And I said, yeah, sure. Because we're the best, of course. And, um, and I had a room full of like a hundred pal sponsors and I get up, all right, here's a first idea for you. Check this out. And I give him my idea. And then the, there's a hand that goes up in the back and say, yes, ma'am. She goes, well, that's a great idea. And I love how you guys do that, but here's how we do it. And it was so much better than mine. And I said, okay, that's pretty good. So here's my second idea. And I share my second idea and like four hands go up. I said, all right, let me hit. Well, that's great, but here's how we do it. And I realized, man, I need to crowdsource some ideas because apparently everybody has better. So the next year, what I did was, this is before um, a lot of technology. I said, everybody bring, there's a hundred people in the session, bring 100 copies of a page full of your best ideas. And we're going to walk out of there with a hundred page book. And we, everybody got a page from everybody in the room. We had a hundred page book of the best ideas and they were all way better than any one of us individually could have came up with. And that's kind of what social media is today. You're exactly right. It's like there's so many good ideas and, and even like if it's the person sharing something you've heard at 20 times, maybe the, the when they share it today, that's the day that you're ready to receive it. Yeah. Because you know when you go to PD and stuff, there's so much information that you get. You're not ready to take it all in at that one time. So even for me, it's like even when I search social media and I'm not hearing new ideas, I'm hearing something that I go, oh, I forgot about that. I can do that now. I'm in a place where I can do that now. So it's like, that's why you should never stop sharing just because you think somebody else has said it before, because today might be the day I need to hear it from you. Yeah. And man, I can't tell you how many times, um, uh, you know, I, I walk into a school and I'm gosh, I'm, I hope you tell me this happens to you too. I walk into a school and it's first when I first started this thing and now I'm used to it, but I walk in and I'll see some teacher t- teaching. I think, what I am terrible. Like, look at this, look at this woman. And I'm thinking who I'm like, what I'm like, pretending it's so just the talent of heroic teaching out there is shocking well you know and for me it's not just teachers anymore either it's principals because i was a principal for five years and so now as part of my job with tepsa i get to go in and visit other schools and take a little tour and and advertise them on our social media and every time i'm like god they're doing so many cool things. Right. I wish I would have been doing half of this. And it's like, if I was still principal, I would take all of this back because it's brilliant. And it's like, there has not been a school yet that I've walked into and not seen fantastic things. Yeah. It's, I mean, they're everywhere. And um, now when, when you went from Waller to Navasota, what was that? What, what, what was the impetus behind that, sh- that, that shift, that change? <laughs> So I got my master's my second year of teaching because Waller had signed some deal with Lamar University and we got like this discount and they were starting a new online principal program. So I was like, well, if I don't get my master's now, I'm never going to get it because I'm not that kind of school person. And so I went back, got my master's mainly because I wanted to be the first person in my family with a master's, not because I actually wanted to use it. And so um, I just want to brag about it at Thanksgiving. Exactly. So I got my principal certification and everything and then set out, set on it for four years. And then one day I was teaching in the classroom in January and I got a Twitter direct message from an assistant superintendent in Navasota that said, Hey, we love the work you're doing. Would you like to come we're over and teach in Navasota? And I said, no, I like where I'm at. I'm, I'm doing great. I love my kids. I love what I'm doing. Not interested. So he reached out again and he said, well, actually, we have a principal opening and we know you have your principal certification. Would you like to be a principal over here? And I said, again, no, like I don't want to be a principal. I just, I like teaching. I'm good staying here. 
And so then he reached out a third time and said, well, you know, this campus is going to be starting over. So you would get to hire your entire staff. And I went, um, okay, we can, we can chat. Like I'll, I'll hear you out. Cause you know, it's always a dream job to be able yeah. to build your own school. Um, which by the way is not as much of a dream as what it sounds like. Um, uh, because what I always tell people is that was a great year of learning for me, but, um, you don't realize what people on a school know until nobody knows anything. Yeah. Like you don't realize like, what's our phone number? Right. Oh, nobody knows. <laughs> right. How do I turn the fire alarm off? Oh my gosh. Nobody knows. Like we don't know how to do anything because we're all new. So that was a trip. But for me, it was, it was a great experience. And I still remember showing up for the interview and I sat down with the superintendent and I gave him my resume and he was like, you know, we've been following you on Twitter for like two years that we know what you bring to the table. You didn't have to bring this resume like all this. And I just thought, wow, you know, I so forget how much power there is in creating like that online resume through a social media and, and showing what you can do. Um, and then I spent the next five years there. So. Yeah. And was, was, was that a school? There was nobody there. Was that, was that like a turnaround type of situation? Yeah, it was a turnaround situation because they were, they were really underperforming. It was a fourth and fifth grade campus at the time. Um, so my first year principal, I was principal of a fourth and fifth grade campus. Then the district did some restructuring and rezoning where they got rid of a fourth and fifth grade and made it a pre-K five so that all three elementaries would now be becoming pre-K five. So they'd all match. And, and cause it's a small community. It's like we didn't need all these different grade levels and not matching. And, and so, um, when they did that, they said, Hey, you know, our, elementary, our main one that has almost 800 kids, um, which was almost, which was double where I was, they said, we know we really like the work you did your first year. We'd like for you to move over and have double the impact. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I just built this school with these people. Like, I don't want to leave them. And they were like, no, 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 no. With the rezoning and restructuring, you'll get to bring your people with you. And with a mix of the people who were there. And I was like, oh, well, if y'all say so, like, let's take and run with it. And then I spent the next four years at Webb Elementary. Yeah. I'm just thinking like for me in the back of my mind, when they, when they have those kind of questions, what about moving over here? Like, did, was there a part of you still thinking, do you people not know I'm faking this for like, <laughs> <There's> a- <laughs> uh, hello every single day, every single day. And you know, people always make all these different comments about uh, the work that I did and things like that. And I'm like, you guys don't understand. Like we were just like, Oh my gosh. It's like, do I really have any idea what I'm doing? Like, I, I have so much of this self-doubt stuff and things like that. But in addition to that, it's like when you're a principal, it's like you're running with your hair on fire constantly yeah. and just trying to figure things out. And it doesn't matter how many years of experience, no two years are ever the same. No set of parents are ever the same or kids. And so it's just, it's a constant change thing. Just like teaching. Every year with teaching, you get a new group of kids and the standards may change or the, the curriculum may change. You just got to uh, reflect and adapt. Hey, when, when you were kicking it off that first year, um, was it hard for you to recruit staff? I mean, cause you had no experience in, in terms of a, being a building principal. You didn't have it. Was it, was it hard to find those heroes to come out there? You know, Navasota itself has had a really difficult time recruiting teachers. Um, they're a smaller community. They have four, three or four colleges in the surrounding communities. So there's a lot of pool to, to recruit people from, but their salary is not comp- as competitive as neighboring districts. So you mentioned Waller, which is 25 miles away, and they start almost $10,000 more than they're at Navasota. They're top right does. now, brother. They're like at the tippy yeah. top. So, um, so that, so it could have been difficult to recruit, 
Um, thankfully I never had that issue. Um, I had such a strong social media presence that what I could offer teachers with the kind of PD that I could bring, the, the connections I had, the growth and learning opportunity, the leadership growing, um, I was able to recruit people from all over the country. So every year I had teachers from other states who would move and come teach with us, um, or people from all over the state who would relocate. And so, and then I always, I love getting to brag. This is my one big brag about being a principal is, you know, typically at some of the schools in Navasota, there's a 40 to 50% turnover rate every year. Um, and while me being principal there, we averaged about a 3% turnover um, every year. So we worked really hard to keep our people there and to grow them and, and really invest in them. Yeah, you know, that's what we always talk about. Leaving um, leaving a district is easy and leaving a school is easy. Quitting a job is awesome, man. I've quit jobs. I felt great every time. But, man, to it is so incredibly painful to quit a family. Oh, yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, deciding to take this position with TEPSA and, and, and move away from that school, that was one of the hardest decisions I have ever had to make because, just like you said, I wasn't just leaving a school or a job. I was leaving my family, and, and we grew that school together um, from the ground up. And so it was kind of like that was such a hard decision for me to make. But um, I knew in, in the end it was the right decision, but that doesn't make it any easier in the moment. Yeah, when when you were kicking it off, you you knew that um, the key was going to be the culture of the campus and this family. What what were some of those first steps that you took to put that thing together? Well, you know, I think letting people know that you see them immediately. Um, I'm I'm very. I think it's really important to me to always be recognizing people for all kinds of things, no matter how insignificant it seems. And so I tried to let them see that I was putting effort in even the little things. And so whether I wrote hand wrote notes, I would sneak in their room and leave sticky notes on their desk. Sometimes I would have these little random days where I provided candy with some little silly saying, or I would cook meals for them just letting them see that I'm not here just to say I'm your boss. Like I'm here to let's grow together. Um, yeah, I have to make the hard decisions sometimes and have the difficult conversations, but I want you to know that I'm going to recognize you for what you bring to the table and not just say, Hey, once a month, uh, thanks for what you do. Like I really want to be specific and personal um, and spend that time getting to know people. Man, I think it, it seems apparent to me like the, the interpersonal stuff and the compassion piece and the empathy is supernatural for you. But what about those hard conversations? Was that something that you really had to do some personal and professional growth on to get to that place? Oh my gosh, yes. I can have a hard conversation with a kid all day long yeah. and it's not an issue at all. But I think for me, you know, when I do focus so much on those interpersonal skills and getting to know people and really building those relationships – those difficult conversations were always hard for me um, just because I, I wanted people to see my heart in those conversations and not just disregard it for what I was saying. And being a principal, you have to have a lot of really hard conversations. Um, and, you know, it's something I grew a lot in. I, I was not perfect at it by any means. There's still lots of growth that I need in that area. But I think every year I became better and more sure of my voice more trusting of my instincts. And when I make a decision, knowing that I've got to live with this decision and own it. So don't run from it. Don't dance around it. Don't 
and you know, one thing that drives me insane about some, some people who choose to lead is that they will make a decision. But then when you sit down and talk with them in the moment, they will talk around it and be like, Oh, well, this person said this. Oh, well, this person did this. And I want to be the kind of leader that's like, when I made a decision and then a staff member came up and disagreed with it and we had to have a hard conversation, I could be like, I have to own this. Yeah. I totally did this call and whether it was right or if in the moment I have to say I made the wrong call. Um, that was something that's never was hard for me was being able to apologize. I'm, I'm really, that's an important thing to me to be being owning and owning your mistakes and saying, I'm sorry, but it was hard for me to be like, Hey, you made a really bad call today. Like we got to fix this because we cannot have that happen in the class again or something like that. Like those conversations were so hard for me to have because I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. But you know, I think what makes it easier is the fact that the, you know, you're modeling what it looks like to own it in front of them. And, and you know, that's one of those concepts that when I'm working with teachers, man, I, like we really have to sneak into that conversation when I'm in front of them because what I really want to say. I would never say it because I don't, people yeah. get mad at me, but I, what I really want to say, like you got to own a hundred percent of everything in your classroom or in your school. Like if it, if your class is amazing, it's a 100% because you're amazing, but you have to own the flip side of that where if things suck, it's a hundred percent because you suck. And the reason I want them to understand that is because that way they can change everything. Like if I, like if I'm struggling in my class, and I say, well, it's because I have that stupid Nesloni principle. He's the problem. Well, and well, and then I would say, well, how much of the problem is he? Well, like 25%. Okay. And we have, we don't have resources in this school. There's another 20% and we don't have the funding and there's another 20%. Well, now I'm down to 65% that I can't change. I got 35% left, but if I own a hundred percent of it in my classroom, I can change everything. You know, and you're so right. And what I always remember is when we make excuses, it's because we're trying to get out of something. Yeah. And so if we are truly passionate about solving that, we won't let an excuse get in the way. We find a way around it. And it's just like what you said, you know, we, we just got to focus on what we can control and make the best of that situation regardless, because you can't control everything. Um, but don't let, I, I always found it funny when people tell me, well, they made me mad. Well, they made me do this. Well, da, 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 da. And I'm like, I always remember what my mom said. Nobody makes you feel any way. You control your emotions and you control how people make you feel. Yeah. Hey, was it? What, 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 I see some principals when they first get started, they have this, um, what I call the an, an expectation issue where they expect themselves in other people. And I think, mm-hmm. I think sometimes principals forget that you're the wacko. Like for a normal teacher, they, they're having a hard time keeping it together with, with 24 kids in our classroom. And this guy, he wants the keys to the whole school. Like he wants to run this thing. Is he insane? Like in the back of their mind, they're having these thoughts. And then as a, as a school leader, some, sometimes principals get in that, that issue where they expect who they are from everybody on their staff. And that's a hard thing. Was it hard for you to get past that? That was the biggest lesson I learned in my first year being an administrator that nobody warned me about. I thought what I did in the classroom was normal and that everybody was doing stuff like that. And when I became a principal and had those same expectations of all the teachers I was working with, it was a shocker to go, wait, not everybody is on that level. Like some people are still figuring out how to get their class under control. Some are still learning their content. Some are taking risks, but they get so scared during those risks that they back up and you have to work with them and build them up. And it was all these things that I was like, okay, I can't have 
this idea in my head that everybody's on the same page because I was like, well, well, that was so stupid to think to begin with. I mean, we don't have a class of kids where everybody's on the same page. Why would I ever think that the adults were on the same on the same wavelength all the time? And so for me, that was the biggest lesson to learn of, oh, okay, I got to really go in here and work with each teacher very differently where they are. And I'm going to push them all forward. But this one, I may be pushing two inches forward while this one, I'll push two feet forward. Yeah. I think, um, you know, and that's not even to mention the, the, their personal lives that these teachers mm-hmm. are walking into the school with. And, you know, somebody's mom just passed away and then somebody's going through a divorce and, and somebody's spouse just lost their job. And, and here we are, you know, asking them to, to stand before kids in the most important honorable profession on the planet and suck it up and change some lives. It's such a huge yep. task we're asking. Yeah. And that's what, you know, when we talk about building culture all the time on school, what I always have to remind administrators is that it's not a one day activity. It's not a, just a beginning of the year PD because of exactly like what you said, like financial hardships, breakups, death, all those things happen to people and it changes the way they interact with others. And so that's what we always have to be looking at, you know, my favorite line is hurting people hurt others. And so when I think about somebody lashing out or saying something mean or picking on something, I'm like, okay, that's coming from a pace of pain. I need to go and figure out where that pain's coming from before we can deal with the person as a whole. Yeah. And you know, we, we always think about those, those lines and those sayings in terms of kids, but man, it's so true for adults too. Exactly. And you know, and that's what I always remind people of uh, the adults are just big kids. Like when we think of all these fantastic things we can do for kids, I always remind the ministers like, Hey, you can do those same fantastic things for adults. Like they've hidden their kids down a little bit inside them. But um, I, you know, when people asked, you know, what's the hardest part of being a principal? Do you miss working with kids all the time? And I'm like, I still work with kids. They're just a lot bigger and they cry way more than my students ever cried. Right. And so, um, you know, when I think of great ideas that really connect with kids, then I think of, okay, how can I run and do this with adults now too? Just like with our hats off card system that we did with our kids. It was so cool to watch that run off with adults too. You know, I had these conversations with my boy. I got a boy who's a freshman in high school. He's 14. And, um, and he, you know, he gets in trouble for stuff all the time. I said, listen, brother, here's the only difference between me and you. We have the exact same thoughts. The difference is you say it and do it. <laughs> I just think it. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, brother, that doesn't have, those thoughts never go away. They'll, they're in there forever, but you just yes. don't do anything. You don't say anything. That's right. That is exactly right. Hey, man, you know, you know who I love? And, you know, I think oftentimes we have these talks with our teachers, like what we want to see. And you have to, you know, we always say, man, if you want to make a difference, you've got to be different and be more engaging. But then sometimes you go to that professional development where the principal standing in front of the teachers on after school meeting and it looks just like a classroom and there's nothing different and there's no engagement. It's just a sit and get just like it's happening in the classroom. But there the principal is saying they want something different. And you know who I love? You know who does a great job down in, um, is uh, Heather Patterson, man. Like when, yeah. you know, with her crew, like she, she's really walking the walk. She's just not talking about it. Like when they have staff development, man, it is a full on engagement costumes and everything for staff development. And I think some, I think we need to do a better job of helping teachers see what we want from them rather than just talking about it. Yeah. And I love Heather Patterson. She's fantastic. Um, but you're exactly right. You know, I always 
people used to ask me like, how do you get your team to do all these crazy things? And I would remind them that I do them along with them. Like I expected my teachers to do classroom transformations at least once a year. So what we did with my office staff is we would transform the front office hallways too. And so it's like, if I'm going to ask you to put forth this work, I want you to see that I'm willing to put in the same work. And so whether that is, we would play crazy games at our staff meetings, stuff like that, just to add that element of, look, you can add these fun elements in and still have academic content that's tied in with them. You don't have to sacrifice one for the other. Right. Yeah, I always say, man, like this is supposed to be fun. Like if you think about it, what is more fun than learning new stuff? It's supposed to be a party. We're supposed to have a great time with this. Exactly. Yeah. So, man, tell me about your new position because um, I know it was hard. And if you're like me, you still miss it every day. Like you miss the daily um, seeing the metamorphosis of lives and the, you know, being a part of kids' lives and teachers' lives. I mean, you're, you're still, but you're not there every day with the same people. I mean, are, are you, are you having withdrawal? You know, it's so funny. I get asked this quite often. And what I tell people is I love my new job so much that it counteracts how much I miss my school and my school family. Um, and I do a lot of different things that help me in that transition. And so I've got a local school in my where I live that I'm going to start volunteering with every now and then just to go read to kids, work with kids, um, and work with the adults there too. And then I have done this thing this fall. So I had a goal. I'm a, I'm a real big champion for literacy and getting books in the hands of kids and making sure they're diverse books and things like that. And so I thought, you know what, with my new schedule, I've got a little bit of flexibility. I said, I want to read to a classroom every day this school year. And so I said, I'm going to start with this fall. So I put this thing out on social media and I was like, hey, I'm looking to do guest reading spots every day this fall first. We'll start with the fall. And I said, if you're interested, let me know. Well, like 1200 responses later, I realized, okay, crap, I need some kind of like organization. So I sent out this calendar link that had several spots open each day and it filled up in less than 45 minutes. And so, um, I read to classes every single day. I've already read to two this morning before this interview. Um, and so that has been kind of cool too, getting to connect with different schools and kids over books. And then with my job with TEPSA, I get to go in and tour other schools and meet principals all the time. And so that helps me get my hands in a school. So I don't feel completely disconnected as I think I could if I was just at the office all day yeah. or something. Um, but you're right. It's not the same. It's not the same as investing in those same people and those same kids every day. But social media has allowed me to connect with so many fantastic people that I can communicate with every day that it helps all that be a little, little bit easier. Yeah. What the one, like the, the, uh, the teaching a rockstar event that you came to, you know, I love those and those are great. And those, um, I feel good, um, at the beginning and the end. It's amazing. What's hard for me is when I go to a school because like, like in August, here's what's hard is like if I'm out of school, and and I'm spending a day with the teachers and I can feel the buzz. You know, I can feel that hum in the building and rosters. Hey, check, you know, check your box. The, the rosters are in your box and the teachers go into the box and who's in their class. And then the football team, the coaches have to leave and they got two a days and here comes cross country running by the window and I can hear the band in the parking lot. I think, Oh my gosh. Like I, I often like in August, it's when I feel. Like, I'm, I want to feel a part of something bigger than myself, like part of a family, you know, part of something bigger than what I have going on. And that's the part I miss the most. August was definitely the hardest to watch everybody going back to school and, and seeing all the back to school stuff. I was like, Oh, I don't have any place I'm going back to. So that was definitely the hardest for me. And then also the conversations because like these people I've worked with, 
And really quick, all of a sudden, you realize the only thing we've ever talked about were kids and teachers and school and and administrators. And now they've moved on and they have new kids and there are new teachers in the building. And I don't know what they're talking about. And it's really hard. You realize you have no friends. (laughs) Exactly. It's weird. (laughs) Yeah, man. Hey, so um, what's next for you? I mean, you're, you're, you're doing the types of thing. I keep you busy. You're speaking all over the place. You have your books. Is there anything that you um, have on the horizon that's new and something um, you're going to add to what you're already doing? Yeah. So, you know, since I have so much free time, obviously, to keep adding to my plate, I can't stop doing that for some reason, as you know, I'm sure you're familiar with. But yeah. um, so I, I've got this new job with Tepsa that I'm absolutely loving and I'm getting to run all their social media and help with their some of their graphic design and stuff like that. So that's been really fun. But I've been a part of a conference series for about the last year and a half now called Get Your Teach On. Yep. And um, it's a fantastic high energy learning thing. But my buddy, Adam DeVico, he and I do a session there called Get Your Lead On, mm-hmm. where we pull leaderships out, leadership people out of the training and they get to come with us and and work with us for about a half a day at the national conference it's for a full day well it's been so successful that um we got permission from get your teach on to take and do standalone get your lead on conferences in addition to what we're doing at the get your teach on yep and so we had our first one in austin texas last month 250 administrators from all over the state and a few from other states we even had somebody from the bahamas um come to that so it was so much fun, such a great day. Um, and so we've got our next one coming up in Charlotte on the 28th of October. Um, and so, and then we'll hopefully be announcing two more here in the spring soon. Um, but I, I will, so we're working on growing that and really making that, you know, cause when you, there's, there's some really great PD for teachers that is high energy, that is quality. What we found is for administrators, there isn't anything high energy. Like everything is so boring and yeah. dull and so serious and wear your suits and, and all this stuff. And Adam and I are not like that at all. I mean, we'll wear suits, but they're like from oppo suits where right. they're, they're really cool ones or they light up or anything like that. Um, so we wanted to create a PD for administrators that was high energy that they could have immediate take backs from people who've served as administrators at each one. We bring in local guests to speak. So that way it's people from the area that they're getting to hear from as well. Um, and with all that work with the leadership, Adam and I also are writing a book called When Kids Lead so that we could have a book out there that just has all the ideas of things that we've done to really grow leadership in kids. And so those are my two big things on the horizon. Besides, of course, I'm so, so excited that in January, on January 25th, is my second book birthday for my book, Stories from Web. And out of everything I've ever written, that is by far the most personal to me um, and is the my most heart on the page, means the world to me. And so I am throwing a birthday celebration um, to offer affordable PD for people in Texas. Yep. And so for 30 bucks, they can come out on Saturday, January 25th, down to Brenham, Texas, where we got Bluebell. Um, this meals are all the meals are included. Um, I'm gonna, I have about um, 12 or 13 of my friends from here in Texas um, who are going to be coming to share different pieces of their knowledge, whether it's elementary, secondary, math, English, blogging, technology, um, just a fun day for people to get together and celebrate each other's stories and learn together, have some food, and just for 30 bucks, just to get together and, and have a big birthday bash. And so I'm super, super excited about that. Absolutely terrified. 
I've never put anything on completely by myself. And so it could be a total bomb um, or it could be amazing. And so I'm, I'm really pulling out all the stops to make it something really special for teachers to celebrate them. And I'm bringing in lots of door prizes and special things. And so we'll see how it goes. It's going to be amazing. I guarantee it, man. I'm putting the stamp of guarantee on that thing. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at all those all the personalities you pulled together, and then and people know you, and, and just because you're involved, they know it's going to be a great day. And um, man, I'm fired up for that thing, and um, especially that that it's in Brenham. I love that. Uh-huh. Let me tell you what I've been doing, man. Is um, I quit like you saw me in Houston, and typically I go to Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Chicago, St. Louis, Nashville, all those places. But now, man, you know what I've realized when I start looking at my who comes to my show. It's people from all these towns far away, uh-huh. like Brenham and Waller and, you know, all this yeah. place and then way uh, down south and LaPorte and then way out in the East Texas. So now I decide, well, I'm going to them. And so uh-huh. if you look at my dates coming up, you know, like these next three dates will be in um, uh, uh, Laredo, Texas, um, Eagle Pass. I'm going to um, Harlingen, you know, like those type yeah. of towns where like nothing, they just don't get anything. It seems to me that um, oftentimes they don't get the, the, the great shows come to come to, and they have to go. And it's so hard for them to go to San Antonio and they have to fly there or spend the night. And, and so now it's, um it's, it's kind of what you're doing, man. I'm bringing it to those people. And by the way, a room full of small town, Texas teachers is just an amazing thing. I mean, it's just, Oh, it is. There's nothing like it. It's, a, I'm not saying I don't love people in Fort Bend and Katie and all those, you know, of course I do. Right. But it's, it's almost, they get this stuff all the time, man. They have people working yeah. in their district that are providing PD. Like when, when you, when like uh, last year I was in Lufkin just to try out this idea and like it, it was amazing because not, you know, they just don't get this sort of thing that often. Right. You're exactly right. And it's, and, and they're so grateful yes. and hungry. And so it's just, it's a great, when you have a room that's just hungry for stuff, it, they're just so much fun to work with because you all, they, they because then they just open up right away. Yeah. And like you said earlier, they start sharing and you're like, Ooh, that's a good idea. I'm going to be taking that one next time. Yeah. And here's, here's the, here's what I secretly love about it as well is, um, when I'm talking to those group of teachers and they are from Corgan Camden and, um, talking to those teachers, they know who the kid I'm talking about and they know that kid is going to be in town. That kid will go leave and they'll go to college and go do some job, but they all come back. They all come yeah. back. And it's the, but when I'm in, you know, in a Plano, well, they, these kids leave and they might go in elementary, they might leave elementary and go to one of seven junior highs and then go to one of 12 high schools. And then they go to, to across the nation somewhere and they really don't know what happened. But in those smaller towns, they know this kid is going to work at the sheriff's department. This kid is going to, you know, run the post office. Like, they, like they have such an investment in those kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, um, for you, man, so far in your new position, what's been the highlight? Um, you know, they, Tepsa had a social media presence before I took over. Um, but that was one thing they were really trying to grow. And because of my work in social media, they knew that I could help do that. And so I think for me, that's been my favorite part so far is watching their social media explode and seeing the kind of interaction. And then when I go to all the regional meetings to have administrators come to me, be like, you're running the social media now, right? And I'm like, yes. Like, is it okay? Are you not liking it? And they're like, oh no, it's so nice to see all this stuff being shared. Like, it's great to have our 
our stuff there. And then it's so cool getting to see schools advertised. And it's like, okay, good. Because, you know, I I love getting to amplify others louder than I amplify myself. And so um, when I get the opportunity to share on a statewide platform the work great teachers are doing or to share great learning opportunities for them that they have, I mean, that to me is where I'm just having a blast. Yeah. And, and man, what I love is that – you know, your, your rise in your profession and, you know, the things that you have achieved and all that, it meant it's all based on providing for other people, you know, like, and you're on the Twitter side, like on the Facebook side, if you look at like Stephanie McConnell, you know, on her principal principles leadership group, the fact that she provides a platform and a, a space, a safe space for people to share stuff and, and find solutions and also give, I mean, that's why she's been so, you know, so, so successful is because of all that she's given to people. Exactly. You're exactly right. And, and, and you can tell when someone is genuine in that too. That's what I've learned through being on social media is I can tell when somebody's genuinely doing it to help others and not really looking for anything in return. And Stephanie's one of those people. I just love that people that who just share and give because they know it makes us all better. Her stuff is so pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see some, and by the way, I was there, man. I spoke in Hawkins. I went in her office. Her office really does. It looks like that, man. It looks like whatever she put. That's I'm what not it, surprised. Every binder, every pencil, everything, man. It looks just like that. <laughs> yeah. She's not like, that's the real deal, man. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, man, I can't wait for your thing in January and, um, I'm, I'm going to come over, man. If, if it's cool with you, I want to come check it out. I would love to and, have you there. Um, Are you kidding me? Yeah, man, I'll hang out and, uh, I know, I know my pal Jacob will be there and some other uh-huh. folks and uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. So that now tell me again, January 20. Well, okay. So let me, ex- this, that's kind of confusing. Let me explain. I'm, I'm doing a two day or a one day. You get to choose. All right. And so when I was thinking about how to do this, I was like, well, I want to provide affordable PD and I don't feel like I can provide affordable PD while doing it on a work day and requiring teachers to take off because some of them will be taking personal days. Right. And so I wanted to give people an option so they can pay $50 and come to a Friday and a Saturday because I'm bringing in some special guests that are just on Friday. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a much smaller group on the Friday. Or if they don't want to take off any days of work and they just have 30 bucks, then they can just come on the Saturday. So it'll be January 24th and 25th, yep. but the bigger event is on January 25th. I got it. And then are there any festivities Friday night? Uh, I don't know yet. I haven't, I haven't planned that far out. So right. I'm sure we're going to have to have something. There'll be lots of people in there. So there you go. All right, man. And then, um, and here's what we'll do. We'll put uh links for all that stuff in the, in, in, in the show notes. Hey man, listen, I really, really appreciate you and all that you've given to kids and teachers and in our state and the work that you do, man. It's just, it's just amazing. And, and I'm so appreciative. Hey, thanks, man. And the feeling is completely mutual. When you reached out to me about this, I was like, oh, my gosh, like I've followed him forever and I've been, I've never reached out to him because I've been so nervous. And then he was like, he wants to interview me. So it's so cool that I could be like, hey, I saw you with my mom like, what, seven years ago or something like that. So back in the hair day, baby. That's right. <laughs> All right, man. Have an amazing day. Get back to work and go read some books to kids. Thanks, man. All right. Take care, man. This has been the Teach Like a Rockstar podcast with Hal Bowman. Subscribe, rate, and share from halbowman.com forward slash podcast.